Hi, this is Carl Franklin. Richard and I are going to be in London at the NDC conference December 2nd through the 6th, and we'd love to see you there. Come see Scott Guthrie, Don Syme, Bob Martin, Dan North, Scott Allen, Mads Torgerson, and many, many more at the NDC. For more information, go to ndc-london.com. The Tablet Show, Episode 112, with guest Aaron Bachover. Recorded live Monday, November 18th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Aaron Bachover about his experiences building cloud-centric applications. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support, online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Raleigh Durham! It's the Tablet Show! Oh, yeah. Wow. It's show number two on the Modern Apps 2013 road trip. Yes, we had a long drive the past couple of days. It was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I was like coming here because you turn on the radio and you hear bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, we are in that country. And... Good barbecue. Good pork barbecue is their thing here. Pork with a vinegar sauce. Yeah. Well, in this region, I think if you go west, it changes. Yeah. They're very specific. It's it's a big deal. Don't get your barbecue wrong. Right and uh, good beer. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we have, we're off for a beer after this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got uh, Aaron. He's here. We're going to have some fun. But first, let's roll the music for Better No Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, just a couple of days ago at Arafat's tech blog, uh, this guy wrote a post about uh, using the, these tools, Browser Stack and Winery. I think that's how you say it. When you go there to the, uh, it's W-E-I-N-R-E, and it says pronounced winery, or it might be wiener. Who knows? <laughs> and this is the guy who wrote it. So okay. who knows, right? Uh, on Azure to create a sort of test environment for websites okay. for all sorts of uh, devices. So this is what it says. And if you go to tinyurl.com slash Azure Stack, I don't know, it just came to me. Okay, Azure Stack. Uh, here's the description. Quickly setting up a service in only a few minutes on Azure that allows us to debug both our locally and remotely deployed apps and web applications on almost every device and platform you can imagine via browser stack through one common debugging tool. So, and he actually gives you the how-to and the, the step-by-step to go all about it. Okay. So there you go. It's an Azure uh, configure the endpoints because it's a non-standard port. Uh, then he shows you how to connect via RDP and then how to use the script and to get winery going in there and browser stack and Bada bing, bada boom, five minutes later, you've got this great service for debugging apps and websites and on every mobile device that exists. Simultaneously. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's the whole thing is you've now got to test a web page on so many platforms. Right. I mean, each of the phones, even the ones that are using the same common core, often implement differently so right. you get different behavior. I'm certainly right. running into that depending on which GDR update I've got on my uh, Nokia phones. Mm-hmm. 
the web page behavior changes. And, you know, there are commercial sites that do this. So if you don't want to go through the headache of setting it up and care and feeding and all that stuff, I think Xamarin has a, a, a great tool for that. But here you go. Here's a, a website if you want to uh, just set it up and run it and see what happens. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Azure Stack. Awesome. There you go. Know what, learn and love it. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 103, and that is the one we did with Mr. Latka. And if you remember, this was fresh off his heart surgery. Yeah. So he had had time to think and really sort of come to the conclusion that JavaScript was going to rule the world. Well, in the enterprise especially. Yeah. And so this comment supports that, actually. This mm -hmm. is from Roll Van Listunk, who says, uh, just want to say I agree 100% with Rocky Laka. This guy is on to something. In the last 10 years, I have worked with C Sharp, Silverlight, WPF, ASP.NET for creating business apps. But things change, and to stay in business, I think developers should have an agile mindset and must be willing to take a look beyond the technology stack they are currently using to try and figure it out if they're still on the right track. Mm. In my case, this was shifting my focus towards JavaScript and the V8 engine, that's mm -hmm. the Google and Chrome engine, sure. which runs Node.js, Google Chrome, and so on, in the cloud, in this case Azure, for creating business apps. So Node and a browser. Yeah. Right? Writing all business logic, server and client, in one language with frameworks like AngularJS and libraries like BreezeJS that honor design patterns I used in C Sharp and have a great deployment platform, being the web and the cloud, for targeting my kind of platform, which means Android, iOS, Windows, Windows RT, is something I've wanted for a long time. And, you know, look at that stack. Mm. You can see how he got here. Mm -hmm. Tell me some other development environment that would have done all of that that evenly. Many, today. many stages of pain. Yes, no kidding. Uh, it reduces costs, speeds up the development pace, and makes software more maintainable by all the members of my team. Of course, this shift towards creating business apps in JavaScript and the V8 engine will not be overnight, and I will be doing my fair share of .NET development in the coming years. But SPA, being single-page application technology stacks like Angular, Breeze, Node, and the NoSQL for business CRUD apps, is looking very promising for me. Mm -hmm. Sure. So there you go, a guy yeah. who's uh, on board. I thought Rocky was being a little severe. At the time. Well, you know, it's just an explosion of technology right now. For sure. Everything's, I mean, Xamarin make just, just now allowing our C Sharp developers to get on iOS and Android. Yep. And, you know, the web stuff is exploding and we can do things with JavaScript that we had never do before. Well, and look at the phone gap solution. jQuery came and went sort of as a stopgap solution to fill in the holes in the DOM. Right. Now things just work. They work so much better yeah. now. And, so. and, you, and you still have a ton of choices. Yeah. So uh, very interesting. Uh, can't uh, disagree with you at, at all, Roll. I think there's more to it than that. It depends yeah. on the products you're building, but for your products, that seems to make a lot of sense. Sure. So a tablet show mug is on its way to you. Even if I didn't agree with you, Roll, you still would have got a tablet show mug, yeah. just so you know. We read your comment. So uh, the Tablet Show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com or on any of our mobile apps. We make them for Android, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to diatomenterprises.com. Absolutely. And with that, let me introduce our guest, Aaron Bachover. He's the lead for Xamarin.Mac, having joined Xamarin in October 2012. He spent two years at RDO, a music streaming service, leading the design and development of the C-sharp core that powers RDO on iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. Aaron started his career in C-sharp shortly before joining Novell in 2004, where he developed Banshee, a cross-platform desktop media player, while tangentially working on dozens of platform libraries such as Mono.0Conf and TagLibSharp. 
In his copious spare time, Aaron enjoys cycling, beer, bacon, and managing the wildly popular catoverflow.com <laughs> from his home in lovely downtown Raleigh. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, you notice you got the applause for catoverflow.com. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Not for RDO or anything else. <laughs> Uh, the cats are all that matter. Yeah. Uh, I got, yeah, cat overflows is insane. So what is it you're doing on that page exactly that means I have to scroll forever? Well, the whole thing is powered by some API, which is uh, actually not written in C-sharp currently. But right. um, yesterday, last night I started rewriting version 3 in C-sharp. Nice. Um, but it's basically just a static HTML page that uh, queries some lame web API and, and just does continuous scrolling. So when you reach to the bottom, it loads the next batch of 10, and, and basically just the cats keep coming. Um, yeah. It took me a while to realize I was never going to make it to the bottom of this I don't, page. I don't think there's a bottom of the page. Um, it <laughs> did, may did or may not loop around to zero at some point, but at this point there are uh, hundreds and hundreds of animated cats. Yes. So. Where are you getting all these cats from? I. That's one thing I can't reveal. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, if you know the internet, you probably figure it out. There are a few cats here and there. Yeah, they the show internet. up in, you know, random places. Somewhere. I, I really didn't want to talk about cat overflow, but I just want to, I, you owe me a couple hours of life back. I just want you to know. It's okay. I, we'll, we'll figure it out. I didn't have a thumb wheel or anything. Like, it's a long way down to the bottom of that page. There's, there's no bottom. <laughs> uh, I'm fascinated by RDO. It's one of those apps, we seem to be interesting this, entering this interesting time with software where uh, we're really getting this idea about multiple devices. Like, I think everybody in this room has got at least two, if not a half a dozen devices. Yeah. So, I, and I, most software doesn't get that. It still thinks, I am the center of the universe. You will always come to me. Uh, can you talk about, I don't know what involvement you have with RDO in terms of, of this dealing with the multiple device thing? Maybe we should just start with what, give us the elevator speech about RDO. So, uh, I mean, RDO is a music streaming service um, available on uh, the web, the desktop, um, iOS, Android, and Windows phone. Um, and it's a subscription service. It's similar to Spotify. I mean, Spotify is probably the, their biggest competitor. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also uh, very much like Pandora as well. So they just launched RDO stations, um, which gives you basically exactly the behavior of Pandora. So it's kind of the best of both worlds of subscription where you... So own your own catalogs. Yeah, there's a discovery model. There's all sorts of discovery models. Um, you know, new releases come out every Tuesday. You add stuff to your collection. So it's this sort of hybrid of as if you own the music and it's organized in your collection, great playlists, but you can also use it as just really good internet radio. Mm. So how do you start with it? I mean, you subscribe, but how do you start? You enter an artist or a, an album or something like that? Yeah, well, there's a um, immediately, I think there's a it's called heavy rotation, and when you first sign up and you you don't, you're not following anyone, you'll get sort of the network's heavy rotation. Okay. So that's that's just what's popular at any given time, and it's mm -hmm. constantly changing. Um, then there's new releases and and a lot of good jump off places to mm -hmm. get you to start exploring music. But you can always search for anything in particular and just start listening. Let's do a show of hands. How many people use a music streaming service to listen to music? Say that's half the room. I would say way more than half. More I would than half say the room. Eighty okay. percent. How many people um, still purchase music from uh, you know MP3s or whatever? Who's bought a CD in the past month? All right. So first of all, three hands. Four three hands. hands for CDs, and and I would say five percent for for buying MP3s. Right. So streaming services have clearly won. So and how many people use RDO? Nope. Okay. Couple. Couple. Okay. Well, okay. So, how many people are going to try it? 
there you right, go. Well, there you yeah, go. Okay, good response. So yeah, it's just about knowing about it. So what? So tell us what makes it from a consumer point of view. What makes it special? What makes it different from Pandora or Django or any of those? Well, uh, I think early on, um, I, I started working at RDO on this um, a little over two years ago, I think. But they realized they had a problem where um, the essentially they they wanted to go after iOS, they wanted to do Android, um, they wanted to do Windows Phone. Windows Phone hadn't yet sort of been on the radar. It's just starting to get on the radar. Yeah. Um, and that was Windows Phone 7 had basically just come out when I started. Um, but they knew early on that they were going to have this problem with having a small engineering team and having to, number one, learn these three platforms out the door mm. um, and, and actually start developing on them. And so early on, we wanted to actually use C Sharp to start writing one platform because mm. um, I mean, music streaming is is not simple. No. Uh, it's all sorts of you know network problems and and codec problems and you know buffering and and talk about device specific. I and mean, then you're, you're talking super device specific hardware there. Yeah, it's especially on Android. I mean, it's you know different phones with a different different chipsets in them mean different APIs are available. And mm. um, but we we wanted to just kind of abstract all that away and and write one common platform and. I mean, we got there, and uh, actually, before I joined Xamarin, I felt like we'd finally got to um, sort of that that goal that we'd really started. And for. you did, probably, assuming you did this with Xamarin. Yes, so okay. we, we started from Xamarin um, very early on. Actually, uh, for about the first year that I was there, it, I was writing the Windows Phone app, but also in the back of my mind, we knew we were going to go to Xamarin. So the the core code was sort of already there. Did you use any of the code from Banshee? Um, no, there's not any code from Banshee in there. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a licensing statement you just made. <laughs> it actually isn't. Uh, all of the code from Banshee is uh, MIT X11. So we, oh, okay. We, you could have. We could have, but yeah. um, but we didn't. But I, I got to think that experience helped you too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I walked into uh, in, into RDO just sort of knowing generally how um, you know collections and and well, relations and how hard work. the problem and, is. And, and and it is a very hard problem. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I I spent uh, at least six years working on Banshee at Novell. And it was a ton of fun, and it got to be a super mature right. player. But uh, it is it is a very complex sure. um, application, especially when you start throwing in social networks and yeah. and discovery and, and all sorts of. And sure, so that brings issues. us to Richard's question, which is the whole multiple devices thing. I was talking about magic and you know that whole cloud sinking state thing. Just uh, is is magical to people, and uh, you guys do it very well. So. To Richard's question, uh, how does that all work in RDO? Basically, this common sync core. Actually, the nice thing about sync is that that is uh, is all common code, and that is the most complicated part of the system. Because hmm. um, you're constantly having to, basically, the server is pushing out information that, uh, you know, something is available or something needs to download or you're halfway downloaded. Um, albums sometimes become unavailable, which means they have to be removed from the device. Hmm. Um so that that whole layer is pure C sharp. Um, it's sitting on top of socket, like system.net dot sockets, I think, um, or system IO sockets, whatever the namespace is. Yeah. But it, it's 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 raw sockets. socket um, stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of HTTP. Um, so you're you're pushing from the server to the client. Yeah, Are you using I, a SignalR type thing, or it's not SignalR. Um, I actually can't remember the name of it, but it's ah. it's not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all push. 
Um, and that's the way that the social network stuff works as well. So when someone comes online, you know, if you're yeah. following that user, they, they get the update that, you, that you're online or what you're listening to. Um, so if it's, especially in the, on the desktop client on the right hand side, there's a list of your followers or, and what they're listening to at any given point. Wow. And that changes live. So as, as they listen to something new, that updates. And so you can sort of listen along with whatever they're doing. Are you really keeping sockets connected to every yep. client? Wow. Um, yeah, there's holy crap. Really That's a lot of sockets. It. It's a, it's a very heavy system, but it, that could get to millions, but it works. Uh, yeah. That's a big collection. Dude. It's a, it's a huge collection. So it was, you know, very complicated software to write, both yeah. server and, and client, but it, it works well and it scales and, is it, is it a cloud service of some kind? It's not. Uh, everything was hosted on site. Okay. Or, well, we, we controlled it. It's actually off site from the, the office, but, um, I think Akamai was used, um, for some of the caching stuff, but basically everything goes through the RDO data centers. Nice. Wow. But the, the, and the whole point here is this idea that I'm listening to music on my desktop machine in the office. I decide it's time to go to lunch. So I'm able to sync onto my phone. So now the what the song that was currently playing on the desktop starts playing in the same spot on my phone, and I walk out. Yeah, now I'm listening on my phone. Go do my lunch thing, you know, have a good time, and then when I come back, transfer it back. Yeah, that's um, that technology is also built on the same kind of real time push notification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that when you start playing a song on one device and you want to control it on another device, um, you can do all that. So every client can become a remote control to another client. Right. Um, yeah. And that's all kind of built on the same stuff. Yeah. And I just think, do you see that as a standout feature of, of, of RDO? Is that the, just the fact that it I really thinks about working with multiple devices? Yeah. And, and I think uh, that was a super conscious decision that we wanted the the music and your immersion into the music to be that pervasive right? Right. And, and, and seamless as well. Um, I mean, I'm constantly in the kitchen with my phone, which is connected to AirPlay on my Apple TV. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm essentially using the phone as a remote. Uh, or, or, well, you just had a thought like I can improve that. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, you know, the, so you're using the computer in the office to control your phone, which is actually playing to the TV through mm-hmm. through Apple TV. Yeah. Right. Um, so you've got this kind of three way interaction going wow. on throughout the home. Um, or you're playing at the desktop and then you want to take the phone to the car, you plug it in, now you're connected I like over the Bluetooth. Idea of having tablets on the wall in each room yeah. and, and sort of proximity sensors. So as you go from room to room, it just turns on your jam box or whatever it is in that room and starts just playing. Starts there. playing there, yeah. yeah. But it, what I, you know, problem is we're all developers. So we immediately dig into, wow, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the problem is when you do it right, the average user, just isn't surprised. It's yeah. like, well, why wouldn't it do that? It's like, because yeah. that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It is really hard from, you know, a developer perspective, but it, but that, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, it's, it's nice. It's fun to tackle those problems as from an engineering point of view, but it's also really rewarding to see that user experience be so seamless and be so obvious. Yeah. That, uh, it's it's just nice to see that reaction from actual users and customers. And it's a strong reaction. I mean, as I yeah. was alluding to in, in the sort of the opening, you know that that sort of characteristic is is really powerful. You know that that all, everywhere all the time. Yeah, and and it becomes a standard. You know, I I would like to think that 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 you raise the bar and that's ah. your expectation for you know any kind of service. Right. 
Well, I mean, the first time I saw this sort of behavior was Kindle. Yes. Way back when, right? So you yep. fired it, loaded up the Kindle app on your PC, and it, and it well, I, I, A, how many Kindles have I lost now? Four? Yeah. Like, I'm bad. Well, I had one broken by a German border guard. So he dropped my whole <laughs> bag on top of my Kindle. But I know I've left a couple on airplanes, and depending on, uh, I left one on, on, on Air Canada. When I called them, they just sort of laughed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That Kindle's gone. And yeah. I can't live without my Kindle. And I lost one on the way on our last road trip too. Yeah. And we immediately went to the Best Buy, bought a, a, a bought another Kindle. But what's great is you buy a new Kindle, all your stuff's there. Stuff's just there, it's, right? It's, just, it's in the cloud. That's it's all in the cloud. As soon as I log device. in with my account, there's my books. And in fact, I remembered what I was reading, how far and I what read. What page you were on. What page I was on. It's like, it's like I was never lost. I'm just out another couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah, and also on the phone app and on yeah. the PC app. It's like that just works. Like I, I noticed in Windows eight point one when I moved from Windows eight, and I'm talking a whole different machine. Like I got rid of Windows eight. I got a brand new hard drive. I I installed Windows eight point one from a CD. Logged in. All my folder settings came through. Like I didn't have to do the standard. You know, actually show hidden files. Yes, I want to see operating system files. Yes, I really do want to see DLLs. Yes, you know, I didn't have to go through all that. And I think that's just, yeah, I, I'm, I expect it now. That, that is the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just work. And yeah, seamlessly just work. Even though yeah. we know perfectly well, it's hard to do. Right. This episode of The Tablet Show is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And the best part is Icinium lets you do all of this from within Visual Studio, including comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities. That makes Icinium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com slash DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. Do you see, I mean, obviously RDO didn't use cloud for this, as you said, but... Like, I don't see, I'm having a tough time thinking about cloud as a product anymore. I just think it, this is a service we need to use to solve certain problems in this world of multiple devices. I mean, do you, do you use it for anything else? I actually haven't. Um, I'm a, I'm still very much a on, on metal kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Xamarin Mac stuff I work on now is obviously to bring C sharp to the Mac, just like we bring it to iOS and Android. For sure. But, um, but he got a call to a service sometime. Yeah, but um, you know, we don't. I don't actually have much experience with the cloud stuff, and and I really want to to do that. I've been yeah. looking at Pars and looking at Azure. Um, actually, that's kind of where I want to do the cat overflow stuff. Is just to me, that's an excuse to kind of experiment with new technologies, right? right. Um, yeah, so, what I, language can I rewrite cat overflow in now? <laughs> this this uh, rewrite I started last night is C sharp, but nice. uh, previously it was Ruby, and the first version was Bash and um, some that's SCP. Cool. So. Uh, advancing through it really is your exercise technologies yeah mm. it, <laughs> it is my exercise where's it running uh, it actually runs on uh, a linode my personal linode oh okay so i've mm. been a linode customer for 10 years i guess but right uh, that is my cloud so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm looking to 
try I, some I, more I, modern I, alternatives. I see cloud as really just uh, a bunch of servers that somebody else takes care of. That yeah, that's pretty much is for me. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm going to need service here, so run it there. I yeah, and and I couldn't have come at a better time for me. Just you know, I'm done with machines. I don't want to mess with them anymore. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm a one guy shop, and big companies with big IT uh, divisions, and a lot of people that you know whose jobs are affected by the cloud. And it's not so easy, and so I, it's a slow migration for a lot of companies. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder, I mean, so far, the so kind of software we're talking about, very much personal interaction, personal entertainment, and productivity stuff. I think, of, how do we do this multi-device thing for the enterprise? Like what, what does new line of business apps look like if we're going to live multi-device? Instant memos from the boss <laughs> everywhere all the time. Oh, man, that's um, <laughs> I actually think that in the enterprise, um, there's also a trend towards wanting wanting native. I know it's it's easy to say, uh, you know, use these JavaScript web-based frameworks mm -hmm. to do cross-platform. But sure. I think the level of, for the same reason, the, uh, the expectation of the user experience that is set for consumer apps and services and products makes the enterprise jealous almost because everyone in an enterprise is also using their phone and they have RDO and they have right. all these really nice smooth immersive applications mm -hmm. but then they spend you know their 8 or 10 12 hours a day stuck in an enterprise app and they yeah. it's boring and they, right. they they want more so i think enterprise is going to go native as well to get that to raise that bar well that's an experience. old story i mean we've seen really cool technologies in the windows side anyway pushed from the consumer up to the enterprise right yeah. So I don't see any reason why native wouldn't or why mobile wouldn't go the same way. Yeah, I'm still waiting. I'm waiting to see that really compelling business mobile app that is an email, right? You know, it's just like, and again, it's that idea of what is it I can do when I'm away from my desk, related to my work, with either my tablet or my mobile device. That when I get back to my desk, it's there. You know, it just sort of magically appears. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the closest thing I've seen, and we've sort of played with this on the last road trip, was the whole expense reporting thing. Yeah. Like the idea, you know, if I'm on a business trip, and goodness knows we do lots of those, I collect my receipts and, you know, photograph them with my phone or something, and they just, to have them just appear on my desktop so that half my expense work is done. I haven't actually seen that app. I Maybe we should build it. Yeah. Well, Robert Green has a... Yeah, he had the expense app, but yeah. it was on the tablet. You had to enter it. Mm -hmm. I just like the idea of using the phone to capture that data well, at that moment. Right. I, I Expensify kind of gets you halfway yeah. there. Um, yeah. I, I you know, take the picture, and then it goes to Expensify, and they, they actually do OCR on the receipts, and then you come back 10 minutes later, and you've got your expense report filled out, and then it's submitted on the desktop. I think yeah. what you're finding is a lot of apps that are not technically stunning. You know, the, it's all known technology stuff that's been done before, but just domain specific and, you know, scenario specific. Uh, like the humanitarian toolbox app. Which one? You, the ones we were talking about, like the, uh, the one Phil's working on. Oh, the, the video service. Yeah. Yeah. So the video service app is simply uh, a way, well, you can tell the story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nothing technically more nothing than te a video the delivery, search and delivery app. But it's within the, the context of... Uh, disaster relief. Disaster so it's a, relief. a disaster relief professional who needs to be briefed on the site that he's going to. 
and the coordinator for the site is able to curate, sort of pull up a list. Here are the videos that this guy's going to need. Based on what he's going to be doing yeah. and based on what he needs to know. Yeah, what the environment is like going. and so forth. There's a bunch of different things, right? So he gets a customized list of videos of stuff that he needs and that he needs to download them. Because he's getting on a plane, he needs to put them on his phone or his tablet or whatever and watch them on the plane right. on his way to, you know, the Some disaster, disaster site. Right? Yeah. So, so while not technically difficult, it solves a huge problem. And I think that that's, you know, that's where we're going with this stuff. You know, it's not, it's no longer about, right, the killer app that's like so gee whiz. Uh, Does it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the best ideas are the, are the simplest and just mm -hmm. being able to, pick and choose your little components and glue yeah. them together with, with a few lines of C-sharp or what have you um, can make all the difference in the world. That's really. So it turns out Albert Einstein was right. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Yeah, it's easy to get things done. You just have to figure out what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think the big one on the enterprise side is going to be decom. We've always lived with these monolithic apps. Yeah. And we're going to have to decompose them for this stuff. Well, sure. Yeah. Specific to the task. Yeah, given tasks have to be broken down, right. pulled out of these big ERP apps and things. Because because if you think about it, these big ERP apps, the state is all in you know the database or whatever in some sort of monolithic place. Yeah. You know now the state in, is in the cloud, and you when you when you're there in a particular app, you're just in a piece of it. It doesn't necessarily all have to be in the app all at once. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean. Talking about million, multi-million line code bases that you know, right. are, are 15, old. 20, 30 years old. And I don't want to decompose those apps. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone does, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure there's a, a pretty good consulting marketplace for, for doing that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. because it's, it's boring, tedious work, but I think the, it's ultimately going to be required. Um, it, cause the expectations are set and, and somebody's got to do it. But. Yeah. Well, and look at, look at what RDO and its light ilk have done to the music industry. It's only been 10 years. I mean, how old, how long ago was Napster? The middle 90s? Yeah, it wasn't long ago. Yeah, right? Mid late, mid late so 90s. Maybe 20 years. We've gone from everybody buys CDs to pretty much everybody streams. But the whole thing's been completely changed. And I, you know, I'm wondering if the same thing's going to happen to these equally archaic ERP type apps, these great big beast apps that just, they're so far behind now. I get so many different small apps are just coming up to replace a lot of these big monolithic things. That Pulling we do. these pieces out. And, and I think people are okay with, with using different services, different apps to sort of do that one thing because those smaller apps do it really, really well. Right. right. I've always had a sense that the reason we built monolith apps, especially we talk about this legacy software, right. is because deployment sucked. Yes. Right? That was the real thing. It's like, and, I mean, if you really want to go back and you talk about green screen machines, and I, we started off this day talking about those old machines, it's because you only ran one thing at a time. Yeah. So it's, right. we're literally just shaking off the baggage yeah. of the way we've built apps for the past 20 years to get to this model. Like, and you, screen you space was limited. Yeah. Right? So Memory was limited. We had to have tab dialogues and all that stuff, so... We stuffed as much stuff as we could into one screen. Yeah, and you know my my dev environment at home is three screens. I've got the yeah. the Retina display and the laptop on the left, which I use for docs, and the giant screen in the middle, and some other screen over there. So it's just but constantly dragging. I really want to get back to this idea of you know the, the 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 magic, which is you know the state is in the cloud, right? You know, and it gets pushed down to all of the different clients or all of the different clients that need to be updated and uh and that's just a magical thing 
the other model that comes to mind is controlling um, the content from a central place that goes to all the clients, right? You know, and the signage uh, example that I gave, you know, that's just a very powerful thing. When it used to be that you had to um, install a new version of an app to get a new feature, right? And now when an app is just running, uh, you know, you, you push stuff out to it and it just sort of snaps in place and runs. Um, you know, or, or content that goes to it uh, just sort of appears there by just you know, tweaking it in a central place. And that's just a magical thing. Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of that has to ultimately be baked into to the design up front. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's super powerful once you get to that point where you can leverage it. And I think talking about, um, you know, deployment, uh, one of the biggest barriers I think traditionally was your build environment and your test environment mm -hmm. and your, and how you actually get the software in users' hands. Mm -hmm. And because that's so simple now, um, with updating and publishing through app stores and uh, this remote push kind of stuff, um, yeah. it just makes it easy to actually get something uh, in the hands of the users quickly and you can iterate more quickly. Right. Um, yeah. People shouldn't be afraid to deploy anymore, in theory. In theory. Yeah, it's, it's bigger just shaking off the baggage around that. I mean, back to our the comment at the top of the show being pro-JavaScript, and one of the upsides of the web approach is can't get simpler deployment than basically no deployment. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Uh, does anybody have any questions for Aaron? Why did you not go with the cloud solution? Well, um, I think there's just a whole lot of content when you think about millions and millions and millions of songs to essentially to pay to have them hosted by someone else. Um, just wasn't really feasible. Well, you mentioned the Akamai part. You know, I've, I've worked with Akamai in the past and even a place like iTunes, like we don't, folks don't generally talk about this, but there's a great story for, for guys that are deeply into the geekiness of distributed web. When iTunes finally got the Beatles, they held off releasing it for almost a month while they pre-positioned copies of everything at every edge point. It's like 3,500 of them around the world for Akamai. Because otherwise, when they did the math, it's like everybody's going to order the Beatles at once and take out the internet. Exactly. It, like it's, it's not a small thing. Music files aren't that big. They're a mega minute roughly. Yeah. And well, and now, I mean, now audio does video as well. There's a, it's, it's called VDIO video. Right. Um, and so the problem just becomes, you know, a hundred yeah, times harder. hundred times larger. Um, and, you know, it's just that much more expensive. Yeah, I got to imagine RDO is doing the same thing. They're positioning their music streams at the ISP level, at the edge of the network where Akamai actually yeah, lives. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of, um, you know, statistics and speculation on what's going to be popular, when it's mm -hmm. going to get released, and, and that has to be staged to just reduce the impact on your core servers. Yeah, one would argue the cloud, the, the cloud's still immature compared to that. Like, that, that's sort of nitty-gritty internet stuff that they figured out a while ago it's bloody expensive oh yeah <laughs> akamai you don't want an akamai bill that's a bad no. day if you're not making money off that you don't want those akamai bills but uh when it comes to that kind of volume of data there's no other way I yeah you're it's not the server guy but i'm trying to figure out how you deal with all those collections i mean you must have <laughs> machines strung together by open socket connections that in, in building your own query protocol and stuff like you must have yeah, everything. Some hairy stuff in there. Everything's moving. Um, it's, you know, ultimately at some layer, everything's persistent in a database, but a lot of it's just sort of floating around between machines to yeah. give you that real time everything. And you never know to use the app. You never know. That's the goal. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that. I love that idea. Just that transparency too. 
That's magic. You don't. You, yeah. don't, you do not need to know. Right. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Can you describe uh, Xamarin for the Mac? Yeah, Xamarin. Uh, Xamarin.Mac um, is essentially Xamarin's st- uh, solution for the Mac desktop. Um, so it's actually it shares a lot of the same code as Xamarin.iOS because um, they're both Cocoa and Objective C. So we we bind on top of all those APIs. So if you want to write uh, native desktop apps for the Mac and C Sharp, that's what Xamarin Mac will let you do. Wow, that's like Silverlight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like Silverlight. <laughs> it's like it's like native Cocoa, but okay. with C Sharp. But it, it, it's C. I mean, Silverlight was C Sharp. Although I was using XAML to draw yeah. my screens, well, and somebody very clever was translating those on the Mac side to make them work. That's true. But they weren't very Mac-ish. It was not native know. at all. Right. Where you guys are actually native. You're yeah, using Cocoa and all those Actually all those native. Everything you'd expect uh, from the from the Mac frameworks is available in Xamarin.Mac. Right. Question here, yeah. So the Unity gaming framework allows deployment to multiple platforms. And so they allow you to pick different platforms to deploy to, including the web. Does, uh, does Xamarin have a web option? I don't know that they do. Um, no, we don't actually have a web option. Um, I think the way Unity does that in particular is um, through native client inside which they run a build and mono that powers their actual Unity script. So it's actually a plug-in for the browser? I believe so. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's native client. It's what, um, looking into. You're looking for a C-sharp to JavaScript compiler, aren't you? <laughs> I think, well, I think, that, I think someone has actually written a C-sharp to JavaScript no. transpiler, but I don't, I, I don't know that I would throw too much weight behind it, but I think, I think it does actually exist in some capacity. Okay, well, if you hear sure. about that, send us an email. There must be a project to GitHub, that, whether it works or not. Yeah, yeah, that's entirely. what I'm saying. So yeah. I think someone's tried it. but um, yeah. It's hard. You know, it's it, hard what, what's I'm interesting sure about... The Mono C Sharp compiler, actually, I've been doing a lot of interesting work on it um, internally to leverage it to do other things other than just compiling. And so if you're interested in it, you, it's pretty easy to reuse uh, the Mono C Sharp compiler to to output basically something other than IL. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. question is, if you're writing uh, in Xamarin's tools for iOS and Android, how do you synchronize updating for the app stores between the different tools? So the release process um, at RDO was essentially when something needed to be updated for Android, we we did that for Android and iOS. We did it for iOS, but there we didn't typically release at the same time just because one needed to be released, the other is released. Um, and a lot of that is is that uh, the core had a pretty solid API, and we tried not to break that. Yeah, um, I guess that's, that's the question: is how do you avoid breaking the back end when you rev something for iOS but you don't rev it for Android? Yeah, I mean that that. Basically, it just comes down to good release management and uh, you know, tagging and releasing from branches and and um, just adding new sure APIs and never taking and away old APIs. Away. <laughs> well, pretty much. You, but yeah, if you re- if you make a change to the core before you release for the next iOS or whatever, you also have to test that Android, even though you're not releasing for Android before you release the iOS version. Right. Yeah. I mean, good testing is is essentially required. Um, what's interesting is that a lot of the work at this point goes on um, at the client level for each platform because um, they're they're pretty mature apps at this point. Um, I think the Android app's been out um, in, as the C-sharp version for about two years and iOS um, for a little over a year. Um, so they're, they're pretty mature at the core level and a lot of the work goes on to making the user experience feel really great. So I think you get to this point where that becomes less of an issue where you have to do less kind of synchronization um, at that level. Last question, anyone? 
Can you tell us about Xamarin's footprint here locally? Yeah, that would be me. Um, I'm the only remote engineer for Xamarin in, at RDU. So. Okay. <laughs> um, You're the whole division all to yourself. The whole division. Uh, so okay. I think we're, we're roughly split between San Francisco and Boston in yeah. terms of on-site, and then uh, probably the other third of us are, are remote, so... Cool. So you're one of many remote workers. One of many remotes, That's but uh, we're, we're trying to focus in San Francisco or either uh, or Boston. Cool. I think we have more more of the engineering in Boston and more of like sales and whatnot in San Francisco. All right. Well, uh, we're just about out of time, so let's give it up for Aaron Blackover. We'll see you next time on the Sabbath Show.